Hello and welcome to the Chair's Corner from the Department of Medicine at the University of North Carolina. This is our series where we discuss different genetic diseases with physicians who treat patients with these conditions. Last week, we talked to Dr. Jim Evans about genetics and medicine, and today we'll talk about a specific genetic disease, cystic fibrosis. We welcome Dr. Scott Donaldson, professor of medicine in our wonderful Division of Pulmonary Disease and Critical Care Medicine. Dr. Donaldson serves as the director of the UNC Adult Cystic Fibrosis Care Center and is also the medical director for the UNC Pulmonary Clinics. Dr. Donaldson really is an expert in cystic fibrosis. He treats adult patients at UNC who have this condition, so welcome, Scott Donaldson. Thank you very much. What is cystic fibrosis? Cystic fibrosis, or CF as we call it, uh, is a genetic disease, as we're talking about, that affects multiple organ systems. So most prominently, it affects the lungs, but also affects the pancreas, the liver, the intestinal tract, the reproductive tract. So it's really, truly a multi-system organ disease that patients are born with. And how do people figure out that they have cystic fibrosis? What are the, what are the symptoms? Yeah, so that, that is changing, but the, the symptoms of CF come on in a really variable fashion. Some patients present with respiratory problems. Some patients present with intestinal or uh, nutritional problems, and it can come on at different points in life. So about 15% of patients will actually be born with a bowel obstruction, something we call meconiomelias, and that's essentially diagnostic of CF. Other patients may go much later in life before they develop any symptoms at all, and we occasionally will see adults who are newly diagnosing CF. And what are those symptoms? Respiratory symptoms would be cough, sputum production, recurrent pulmonary infections. The symptoms that are attributable to the intestinal or pancreatic disease may be very abnormal stools, so greasy, fatty, floating stools, inability to uh, maintain weight, abdominal pain or bloating would be the really the most common symptoms. If you took everybody who has CF, you described infants mm-hmm. and you've described adults, yeah. what's the general time of, of diagnosis? So it is getting younger and younger. So until uh, a few years ago, newborn screening was not necessarily part of every state's program. So now, as of about five years ago, newborn screening is conducted in all 50 states in the U.S. So most patients uh, are are diagnosed in the first four months of life, and about 75% of patients are diagnosed in the first two years of life. And how does family history influence all of that uh, diagnostic acumen? Right. So because this is a genetic disease, but in particular, uh, what we call a recessive genetic disease, CF skips generations. So there are many patients who know nobody in their disease that had CF. It just pops up when the two right parents get together. But certainly having a history of CF in your family lets you know that the mutations are in that gene pool and it's uh, more likely. Just for our listeners, explain recessive. Great. So genetic diseases that are recessive means that you need two abnormal copies of that gene to have the disease. So with CF, about 1 in 25 or 1 in 30 Caucasians are carriers, and they have no symptoms whatsoever. So they carry one abnormal copy. But when two carriers get get together and have a child... Mom and dad. Mom and dad. Each one has the affected gene. 
correct. And when they, by chance, pass on that affected copy of the gene to the child, which is a one in four chance, that child will have CF. And as a, also as a consequence of that thought process, if there are four kids, the other three would be potentially just that's, fine. That's right. That's right. So there'd be a two in four chance of, the, of being a carrier and a one in four chance of not even being a carrier. So at this point in time, the vast majority of patients in the United States are really discovered by newborn screening. That's and there right. are a whole host of other diseases that are now being discovered by newborn screening of a blood sample taken really in the uh, labor and delivery. That's exactly so, right. That little blood spot that comes from the heel is used to test for lots of diseases now, including CF. If you know that somebody in your family has cystic fibrosis, and you're a young adult and are otherwise feeling okay, but maybe have some cough from time to time, when should testing be considered? Yeah, that's a really good question. So certainly if there are any symptoms that, that are unusual that might be suggestive of CF, that would be a reasonable thing to do, or at least see an expert, a pulmonologist who understands CF and knows the wide spectrum of symptoms that it can present with. But the more common time uh, would be when you're thinking about having a family. So if you know that there, uh, there are CFDR mutations in your family, uh, you have relatives with CF, and you're now thinking of having kids with CF, it would be probably really wise. Most people would want to know if they're a carrier or, or certainly have CF. And how's the test done? So the genetic tests for CF are done with a simple blood test. And uh, there, uh, we can do different things with the blood, looking at panels of 25 or 30 mutations, all the way to sequencing the whole gene to identify essentially all of them. Explain mutations in the CF gene. Yeah, that's a really good question. So first of all, cystic fibrosis is caused by mutations in one single gene called CFTR. Within that gene, however, there are more than 1,700 different mutations that can cause CF. So lots of mutations, and they can be, uh, a gene is essentially a blueprint for a protein, and when you make little changes to that blueprint, so changing a base pair, we call them, or missing a base pair, or missing a bunch of base pairs, all of them are different types of mutations that can cause CF. They make that protein not work normally because a bit of DNA is transcribed to RNA and then translated into protein. Exactly. And abnormalities, even tiny little ones, which look tiny, can yeah. be gigantic with respect to the eventual protein uh, and how it functions. Absolutely, and it can be a little unpredictable, but it's a huge part of what we're doing right now, understanding how specific mutations cause problems in the protein. And the reason why you want to know that is it turns out, and we'll talk about treatment here in a minute, is that some of those mutations are now guiding what drug you use. Absolutely. And that's the fun new world of therapy of cystic fibrosis. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's so exciting. It's unbelievable. So let's, let's talk about the general treatment for somebody with CF. Right. Historically, uh, we really treated CF by dealing with symptoms and really what we call the downstream effects of the mutation. So patients uh, in their lungs, they develop 
they retain mucus, that mucus becomes infected. And so we use medications that thin mucus to let people get rid of it more easily. We use a lot of antibiotics, whether it be oral, IV, or inhaled to treat those infections. And we have them do a lot of physical maneuvers to get rid of the mucus. We're also uh, having them take lots of medications to help them absorb their food because their pancreas doesn't work. We give them special vitamins. We give them nutritional supplements. So it really is a very complex, very arduous kind of regimen that uh, we have patients do. Unfortunately, some patients' lungs fail, and then uh, a transplant, a lung transplant, is considered. That's that's absolutely right. So every year, about 200 patients with CF require a lung transplant, uh, and that's really the ends. It's uh, it's the lungs that typically is life limiting in patients with CF, and when you get to that stage, transplant is the only option. The exciting part about CF treatment is that understanding. Uh, some of these mutations and the proteins that form may, in fact, guide specific therapy. And there's some new drugs out on the market. That's right. Tell us about those. Right. So, you know, the process that developed is really a great story, I think. You know, in 2000, the CF Foundation, which is a big part of what we do in CF and how now how therapies are being developed, decided we're just going to go on a fishing trip and try to find, we're going to invest in companies and ask them to look for molecules that do what we want them to do with really no knowledge of what those molecules might look like. And so a big effort went into finding some of these drugs, now drugs, that make that CFDR protein begin to function again. And so in 2012, we had our first one approved, which was only applicable to about 4% of our patients, but it worked spectacularly well. So it taught us that if you can find a drug that makes that CF protein work, you can do really spectacular things for the patients. As time has gone on, we now are using combinations of drugs for the more common mutations. So there are now two drugs available for that. One's called Orcambi, one's called Simdico that was just approved a couple months ago. And they're applicable to larger groups of patients, but as of yet aren't quite as spectacular as that initial drug for that small group. And right now we're actually starting phase three trials of three drug combinations that, are, that appear to be spectacularly effective and are probably going to be applicable to more than 90% of patients. So now, that would be amazing. That's amazing. Who are the 4% of people who respond to the initial drug? So they are patients that have what we call gating mutations. And so this is, a, again, lots of different mutations. We group them in different types, but a gating mutation is a type of mutation that makes a protein that gets to where it needs to be in the cell, but then the CF protein, which is a channel, a kind of protein that just controls how much salt and water moves through the cell, it didn't open up. So it sits there kind of like a closed gate that's stuck. And this medication then made that gate begin to open and close like it's supposed to. Realizing that those drugs are being used and are in the offing for a bigger population, how right now when you're in clinic and you're seeing somebody with CF, what are the main concerns? Yeah, so CF clinic is a, a, a complicated place. So these are people that have dealt with the disease their entire life. They have a really serious illness. And 
because it does affect so many different organ systems. We're dealing with a lot of different things. So we're dealing with their lung, their lung disease and measuring their lung function at every visit. We're dealing with their nutrition. We're dealing with their GI function. And the combination of all these medical problems impacts our life in lots of different ways. We're asking them to do two or three hours of therapy every day. If any of us can imagine doing that for more than a day or two. And so being cheerleaders and encouraging them to try to stick with these regimens that are so hard to fit into their school life, their work life, their family life. So it's really a big team effort working together to keep these patients going. The great thing, though, is we now have so much hope. We can talk to them about what's coming, and that gives them a reason to stick with what we're asking them to do. Right. So if you have a young person, a young adult, and they have CF, how do you manage to teach them how to take care of the disease themselves with, yeah. without their helicopter parents yeah. <laughs> in constant attendance? Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a a long-term process for sure to get to that point, but uh, we're really trying to start early. So we work together with our pediatric colleagues in pediatric pulmonary. We have a very formal, what we call a transition program. So we have a transition coordinator whose job is really to begin the education process. Currently, we're, we're doing it with our 16-year-olds, but we're moving to younger and younger pop, uh, ages as well to start the education. This is what you need to do to take care of yourself. Uh, we then test them. Did you absorb what we're educating? Then we re-educate them. And it's a constant process over years to get them to that point. In the adult clinic, we also have to educate the parents that it's important for these young people to take over their care. Hard for a parent to do, though. Oh, yeah. Hard for a, for a kid to do and hard for a parent. Absolutely. Fi cystic fibrosis and fertility? Yeah, it's a, it's a problem, especially for men with CF. Uh, so 99% of men with CF are infertile. Uh, the, the, the tube or the duct that connects the testis to the rest of the world it doesn't form during fetal life, and so sperm can't get out. And so they make sperm, but it can't get out. And so most men with CF are, are indeed infertile. And so they would have to see a urologist and fertility experts to uh, actually harvest their sperm and do in vitro fertilization to have a biological child. Women with CF are, are pretty fertile, though, uh, not completely normal. The mucus uh, around their cervix is a little thicker. Certainly, if they're very sick and malnourished, they may not ovulate and will have reduced fertility. But they, they have kids, and you know, we'll have five babies a year or so just in our clinic. There are several hundred babies born to CF women every year. In 2018, how long would somebody with CF be expected to survive? And if these drugs work... What's that going to do to long-term survival rates? Yeah, survival of CF is really rapidly changing, which is the great news. So I started in CF here at UNC in 1993. Uh, the expected survival of a baby born in 93 was about 29 years. Today in 2018, the expected survival of a baby born today is 47 years. And that presumes with no other major breakthroughs, but we know the major breakthroughs are coming very, very soon. And so I would say 47 is a really huge underestimate. And so this is speculative, we're making guesses, but I think if we start the drugs that we know are gonna be here in a year or two, and a little child with CF before they have much disease, they may have normal lifespans. Yeah, that's amazing. That's truly an amazing story. Yeah. 
Where can someone find out more about cystic fibrosis? What's a good site to, to look at? You know, I think the best site is cff.org. So this is the CF Foundation's website, and it's just got a wealth of information for patients, for caregivers. We have data about all of our centers so we can see how we're performing, and we can connect patients to clinical trials that are going on. So it's a, the best, best spot. Scott Donaldson, thank you so much for spending time uh, with me today. Thank you. Thanks so much to our listeners for tuning in. Next time, we'll be talking with Dr. Amy Model about polycystic kidney disease, so stay tuned. You can subscribe to The Chair's Corner on iTunes, SoundCloud, or like us on Facebook. Thanks so much.